Hey guys, welcome to another exciting episode of Conspire a Theory. I have with me Orn and Jen. Orn and Jen from Framework UFO and the 100% Witch. How's it going? Real good. How are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, thank you for uh, having us on the show. Uh, me and Chris have been talking back and forth for a few months and uh, everything kind of worked out. So we're happy to happy to be on the show tonight. So thank you again. Yeah, you were originally supposed to come on to an abduction panel that I did with Shay Jones and Jamie J. And that's we right. Were, we were discussing the, the alien abduction UFO phenomenon and all that stuff, that interesting stuff. And now this time we're going to sort of retread that familiar territory, except the listeners are going to get to sit in on this conversation. Sounds good. Tell me a little bit about what it is that you do at Framework UFO. Okay. So a little bit of background about us, um, you know, I've always been interested in aliens and cryptids and just weird things like that. And um, I would say probably three or four years ago at this point, I had what I would consider a recovered memory about what I think is a men in black encounter I had as hmm. a child. And around this same time when I had, again, what I would consider a recovered memory, uh, Jenny was going through some weird poltergeist paranormal type activity at her old apartment. And so it just kind of segued perfectly together. You know, I had this experience and really started studying the paranormal and aliens and things of that nature a lot more seriously than I had before. And then she was having these experiences and, you know, we kind of wanted to start going to conventions and meeting people and things like that. So I came up with the name, the framework, uh, UFO Research Center. And the reason I came up with that name is, you know, through my research, I started out very flesh and blood, nuts and bolts. You know, these are living, breathing extraterrestrials coming down to Earth in nuts and bolts craft. And I still believe that is an aspect of all this, but I think there's a lot more weird stuff going on than just that. And it doesn't take very long to start digging below the surface on all this stuff that you start seeing connections between aliens and Bigfoot and even poltergeist ghost haunting type activity. And so I thought, you know, you start to see this framework develop the mm -hmm. more that you dig into this stuff. So that's why I called it that. And then at that point we uh, kind of started going to conventions and whatnot and meeting people. And uh, one thing led to the next and um, our good buddy Shane Jones invited us to uh, be the co-hosts on his um, Bizarre Encounters podcast. So we've been doing that since January now. So, uh, you know, we've met a lot of awesome people such as yourself through all this. Um, we've met quite a few people that you've had on your show before, too. So, I mean, we're, we've just really enjoyed getting to know everybody and kind of the whole family aspect of this. We've just had a blast so far and we're excited to see where everything goes. Yeah, it's a it's a rather nice circle that that I've wandered into meeting so many interesting people. And one of the things that I really have to thank Shay Jones for is he sort of pulled me into this because he had heard my interview on on Bo Kennedy's bump podcast. And then he had reached okay. out to me. And then and then I guess that's sort of how we all became familiar then. So yeah, and that's kind of how yeah. um, me and Shane met as well. Um, Through the cryptids of the corn. Yeah, so guys. at one of the first shows we went to, um, we met the cryptids of the corn guys, and we went on their show a couple times, and then Shane just reached out to me, and one thing led to the next, and then um, we've become really close with Kevin from where the weird ones are. So yeah, we're kind of 
all run in the same circles at this point. Yeah, what I like is that in the usual uh, paranormal circles that, that I was around, it was sort of running into a lot of the same old, same old, like the same old guests, the same old authors and researchers, you know, not anything against them. It's just it's just when I go into this circle, it's sort of fresh new people that I'm being introduced to. And that's what I like most is that I'm, I'm being constantly introduced to new people whether through uh, uh, Tommy's, you know, Let's Get Freaky and, mm-hmm. and Kevin's show, Where the Weird Ones Are, they're constantly introducing me to new people, um, you know, and, and meeting new people through bizarre encounters and inquiries and stuff like this. It, it's, it's interesting. It's sort of like the, it shows that the neighborhood is rather expanding. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as these kind of topics are becoming not so taboo and people are more comfortable talking and sharing their own stories and their own encounters, and I think, you know, just having the internet and podcasts and things like that for people to share and to seek information has been huge for the whole paranormal alien cryptid community. So, um, yeah, I think it's very cool what's happened. I mean, some of these subjects that people would have thought that, you know, you're crazy or crackpot for talking about even, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it seems like there's a lot more acceptance nowadays. And I think that's a very cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially with the the UFO disclosure stuff that's making the news, it's definitely starting the conversation. I mean, personally, you know, I have my criticisms about it. (laughs) As do I. (laughs) Yeah. And then there are, you know, rather divisive characters out there like Corey Good and Stephen Greer and stuff who they have their own weight with them. But, you know, they, they there's no denying that there's a definite community there of people that are just interested, that are that are good, well-intended, well-meaning people, you know, and, and it's, you know, it, it's very, you know, lucky of us to, to you know, find each other in, in this community and sort of, you know, do community building and stuff of that nature. Yeah. And, you know, I think, like you said, I've been a big um, skeptic of a lot of this disclosure stuff that's going on. And uh, I don't know how deep you want to get into all that. But I think, like you said, a lot of people in this community, you know, start off with the best of intentions. And I think sometimes people kind of get caught up in this machine that might be presenting a certain narrative and a certain story that they want presented. But, you know, at the same time, if this gets people looking into this phenomenon and other phenomenon more extensively and doing their own research, building their own framework, if you will, I think that's Mm. nothing but a good thing. And I think, you know, like we always say on the show and framework, uh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) And other appearances we've done, I think it's really important just to be skeptical. Don't take anything that, you know, I or you or anybody else said, like, everybody needs to take everything with a grain of salt and do their own research. And like I said, I think once you start seeing the connections between all these supposedly different phenomena, you know, if we're ever going to find answers, which I don't necessarily think we're ever going to find definitive answers, I think those answers will be found in the connections between these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it does seem like a lot of um, there. You know, it it's just a bunch of, pe- you know, people getting together and working stuff out and trying to find you know definitive answers. It seems like we keep running into this sort of like the skeptical community. As as I said, there's 
There's nothing wrong with skepticism. There's nothing wrong with, with uh, criticism. But it seems lately that any kind of criticism now is sort of misconstrued as a personal attack mm-hmm. because everybody wears, you know, their, their identities on their sleeves now. And, and, you know, people's interests and hobbies have now become personalities, so to yeah. speak. And, and it, it's, it, the, I, I do consider myself somewhat of a skeptic myself, but it's sort of, I'm not so much, a, a, like I tried not to be a cynic because mm-hmm. I do feel that a lot of skeptics aren't skeptical at all. They're just cynics. And they use that sort of cynic, cynical position to give themselves a sort of faux authority over, you know, the, the believers. Because I just see it happening so many times. I mean, you know, their only position isn't uh, an argument against it. It's just they just say no. That's it. And for some reason, the believer desperate to to you know in some cases just to be heard will bend over backwards to try to appease and accommodate the skeptic and then and there's so many instances where you know i've seen you know like you know some people like sort of just abuse that that sort of faux authority well no i i absolutely agree and something we talk about on the show a lot is Anytime someone claims to have a definitive answer for any of this kind of stuff, I think we should automatically be very skeptical of that person. I mean, we're all talking about things that there is no answers to. And yet some people might be more right than others. But at the end of the day, we're all arguing, you know, thoughts and opinions and largely unprovable phenomena. And I think, like I said, Whenever somebody claims to have an authoritative, definitive answer, I, I think that should be a red flag to anybody right off the bat. And it seems like, like you were saying, a lot of people are claiming to have a lot of answers at this point. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what you said as well, when, you know, the UFO community is against the Bigfoot community and the flesh and blood Bigfoot people are against the woo-woo Bigfoot people, I mean... I think we all just need to share information and share research and thoughts and theories. And, you know, the most that we can ever hope to have answers, I think, like I said, are going to be found through that and not somebody sitting in their ivory tower saying that they're right and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Jenny, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm kind of in the same camp um, as Orr, and I think they're... um, this disclosure is a distraction from something else and what that is. I don't know, but it's not the whole picture. And that's kind of where I land on it. Yeah. 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 I'd have to agree as well. I mean, it current disclosure stuff just comes off to me as pageantry Mm -hmm. and, and I, I'm all for, you know, this, this topic being talked about and taken seriously and that stuff in nature. But it, the characters that seem to be involved in the current disclosure seem to have seem to be very open for criticism. And of course, when they are criticized, and they'll they'll they tend to spurt out rather than address the criticism or or learn from it and grow of of that nature. I just get very picky about you know how criticism is dealt with because of my background as an artist, because when I was going to college in the early 2000s and stuff like this, I wasn't in the position that, that I could, you know, just, you know, say, 
uh, bad away criticism. I had to take it if I wanted to advance. You know, I had to learn to deal with that stuff. So I sort of have this chip on my shoulder when when people do this sort of like, you know, like, oh, we're, we're, we're critical and, you know, this is sort of an attack. It's like, no, this is, I mean, because there is such a thing as valid criticism. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, in my art classes, in my drawing classes, I didn't know, you know, my, my art teacher kept saying that my art was terrible. And I was like, you know, and then I finally asked him, I was like, well, what about it is terrible? And then he explained it to me. And in those like, you know, 10 minutes of him explaining to me, you know, what I was doing wrong and, and why it was coming out bad, I learned more than I did the entire semester. I don't know. It's just, that's just my, my take on it is that it's a means of, of growth and, you know, becoming, you know, uh, making a stronger argument, so to speak. But no, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I just feel that that's being lost in our in our current community that the the principle of debate as i discussed with with kevin you know in a prior show it's just it's it's gone it's not what it was well yeah i think everybody wants their thing to be the thing you know and they're willing to sacrifice any type of open discourse or conversation because like i said you know the flesh and blood bigfoot people want it to be a flesh and blood entity. The woo-woo people want it to be something myth, mythical, mystic, whatever. And people just put their toes in the sand about these arguments. And I mean, there's a lot of things that me and Jenny don't agree on in this whole community, but that that's okay. You know, it's okay to disagree with people. It's okay to have different opinions. And like I said, at the end of the day, nobody's really right. And nobody's really wrong about a lot of this stuff. I mean, some people can be more right than others, but. But I also think that this is part of the world we live in where everybody's uh, scared to hurt anybody else's feelings mm -hmm. and people can't take constructive criticism as what it is. It's, it's just a different point. And you don't have to be nice all the time. I mean, you can be kind, but you don't have to be. You don't have to bend over back. You don't have to bend over and just drop the debate because you're scared you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good point. That is a good point. Now let's hop on to the one of my favorite subjects, which is like the UFO and the alien abduction. Do you feel that those two are together or do you feel that they're separate topics? So like I said a little bit in the intro, um, when I first started going down these rabbit holes and really researching the paranormal and the alien phenomenon really seriously, I was staunch flesh and blood, nuts and bolts. And at that point in time, I would have thought, you know, what everybody is told, these are, you know, little green men coming down and abducting people and taking them into their spaceships for, you know, research, scientific, whatever purposes. And again, I still think that is a component of all this, but I think there could be something else going on. And at this point, I'm kind of of the opinion that, you know, in the past we have been visited by true extraterrestrials that have intervened in human history. But I think that's really rare. And I think there's another thing going on, which is more this kind of John Keel ultra terrestrial idea, people from other dimensions or you know, kind of more of an elemental type presence that a lot of this UFO and alien phenomena could be responsible for. Um, and, you know, 
when you look at ancient tales of like demons and incubus and succubus and things like that, and even like fairy lore, it's all really similar to accounts of UFO and alien abductions. So I think there is a very nuts and bolts real world aspect to a lot of this, but I think there's also something weirder going on. And kind of back to our previous point, I think those two things can both be true at the same time. Yeah, I kind of, I get what you're saying. I've noticed a lot of parallels as well that tend to be binding threads between all these different phenomena types, you know, whether it's the the Bigfoot, you know, appearing and disappearing out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know, which is the same as, as though we hear about with like a conjuring of, of demonic entities or, or uh, being visited by angelic. Um, exactly. And then fey type uh, beings as well. And, and, you know, it, it's just sometimes when I see is that oftentimes the UFO will happen, you know, like people will see a UFO in the distance and then next thing, you know, and then they get abducted. And I don't know if every time it's related, mm-hmm. like if the UFO that they saw is the same as the interdimensional, whatever entity that they had an encounter with, because there tends to be like, you know, some people say that, once you have one encounter, then you're open to a bunch of other encounter. Because I'm not normally a ghost guy. I, I really don't mm-hmm. uh, go down that, that stuff because it requires so much attention and focus that, that it's, it's beyond me. But the, the, what I do notice is that what I find intriguing is that people who are the subject of alien abduction phenomena, they also tend to have at home uh, poltergeist phenomena, which I tend to find intriguing. And, and, and that's the time that when, you know, my ears perk up and I want to hear more about poltergeist phenomena. But then at that time, the people, they just hand, hand were, Oh, it's, it's just poltergeist phenomena. It, they yada, yada that part. And that I find frustrating at times. Yeah. So I, I think we're 100% on board with you. Um, I have some probably strange, opinions about the whole ghost poltergeist type activity. I think a lot of this activity that people are experiencing is not actual ghosts. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily like the spirit of, you know, your dearly departed aunt or civil war general or something like that. I think this is kind of more of that um, ultra terrestrial elemental type presence. And I think that could be responsible for a lot of, you know, poltergeist, uh, shadow people type activity. And, you know, something we talk about on the show a lot is this idea of issues of language. And with all these tales that, you know, people have told since the beginning of time, I think a lot of these people were trying to describe undescribable things with the best language that they had. And, you know, one person's demon or angel is another person's UFO or extraterrestrial. And I think it's all about, again, the framework that people view a lot of this stuff through. And I think part of the reason why there's so much more acceptance for these things now is people aren't as inclined to view things through such a strict Christian lens as they were in the past. So I think, Mm. you know, if you had a, a positive experience with something strange in the past that was going to be an angel if you had a negative experience that was going to be 
automatically a demon. And I think now people are more open to other interpretations for these experiences that people have been having as long as there's been people. Yeah, I do. You know, the, the religious framework, it does, you know, in some cases tend to be very restricting as well, mm-hmm. because, you know, like in, in those of us who have a, a slightly Christian background, you know, we're, we're brought up like, oh, ghosts aren't real. But, you know, even in the Bible, it has, you know, the, the Holy Ghost, the Father, Son, and the Holy exactly. Ghost, you know, and and it's like, oh, you can't believe in that spiritual mumbo jumbo because that's not it's not in the Bible and Jesus and stuff. But yet in the in the in the testaments, you know, there there's various cases of miracles occurring and stuff of that nature. So it's and and then I think even in uh, Islam, there's you know, if it's anything to dealt with magic, it's considered haram, which is like, you know, it, it's a no go zone. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it's uh, sort of you know, and I'm pretty sure that you know all the other religions, whatever ha- they have, their checks and balances in regarding in dealing with this this otherworldly uh, phenomena that tends to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, something else, again, we talk about on the show is I like to look at these old ancient accounts through like a modern lens. And okay, if you strip away the literal words that people are saying an, an angel appeared in Mary's bedroom or uh, Jonah and the way of things like that. If you just stop and think, okay, what could these things actually mean in current real world terms? Those stories become alien abduction stories. I mean, Jonah and the whale is my favorite one to talk about, mm-hmm. Like even in the Bible, it says something to the effect of, you know, the ribs of the whale uh, gleamed like, bronze or something of that nature. I'm going to butcher the details, but it's an alien abduction story. The Immaculate uh, Conception is an alien abduction story by any other name. So again, I think people get caught up with issues of language with a lot of these phenomena. So um, Jenny, what is your impression on it, on this sort of stuff? Like, cause you're sort of like, like, I guess uh, as far as your, your witchcraft background, is that correct? Is that, how does that lens make, how do you look at everything through that lens? Um, okay. So because of um, a lot of stuff that happened to me the past, it's, it's gone away in the past year, but over the past six years, I had a lot of um, high strangeness in this apartment that I lived in. Um, there was poltergeist activity. There were shadow people it got it escalated on to where uh, there was there was an incubus mm. um but it i think this stuff is coming from other dimensions the stuff i experienced i don't think it was from this from this earth i used to use the word demon because i was raised very a very christian strict upbringing and that was the best language I had at the time. But now after talking to people, because I've, I've told these stories of, on a couple of different podcasts, um, it just gives a little more perspective. I think there was, there was high strangeness in this area. I think I was open and um, it, 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 it found me. It found me. It may have followed me because I've also had other things happen my entire life 
but I don't think it's of this world. I think it's coming from other dimensions. And moving on to the the witch thing, like I'm very new at this. I've just been doing this about a year. And this all just kind of fell in place. I say this, and this is just my personal opinion. Being a witch is like being very religious without the guilt. Like the (laughs) things I'm doing aren't very different from the things I've done my whole life. Manifesting, um, you know, using uh, crystals, using items to to charge and use the, the the energy and power inside of myself to to get things done. And um, I'm new at it, but I love it. And it's um, it's a lot of fun. But that's kind of just where I stand on this. I know the things I experienced, they were very, very scary. Hmm. And um, I'm just glad they're gone now. So yeah, yeah, I having a few sleep paralysis episodes myself, I can kind of relate somewhat to your experience. It's not exactly the same thing, but I can understand the presenteeism and the feeling of what would be, you know, unyielding terror that just courses through your, your blood. So, so you have my empathy. Thank you. That was a good description too. (laughs) Just terror. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, cause it's just, it, you know, if I could segue that back to the sort of uh, um, framework of the of the UFO. <laughs> okay. See what you did there. <laughs> uh, the, a similar thing seems to happen with the alien abduction phenomenon, where mm-hmm. beings seem to have a way to to take whatever uh, chemical emotion, uh, retardant, and other and esca- and accelerant within our our body biologically and they can just turn it up or down with a dial that 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 you know like like a lot of people you know they'll see an alien in their room or whatever and then they just turn around and go to sleep so whatever discretion that they have is turned all the way down or when they're in a confrontation they'll have like fear shoot out through the roof or when they're when they're you know asked to be coerced into some sort of you know participation the love and and intimacy affection dial shoots all the way up so that that way they are complicit and compliant. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it is something we have so much going on in us biologically that, you know, it's like no wonder this stuff likes to fuck with us, but (laughs) we also are still learning so much about ourselves that fighting back is, is, you know, or, or resisting, is you know it is like a very it's very difficult at times you know that's why a lot of people say that you know that if you're in an encounter or whatever you know they say pray to to god yeah or whatever and i'm pretty sure that it's you know and and some people will put up the argument of well is it god specifically or is it just having you know um unyielding resolve Mm -hmm. that serves to as as a confrontation to whatever entity is out there and I, I don't know quite know what to think about this stuff. It's, it is an interesting topic, and and thank you so much for sharing about with with sure. all that. Sure, we and Oren like he talks about this. He says your your stuff kind of sounds like an abduction to me, and I'm just like I don't I don't know. I was in my room, but a lot of the things really do. But what kind of picture are they able to paint my 
in my head during this. So, yeah, and that gets back to kind of this idea of these things potentially can wear different masks and can present themselves in different ways. And again, we could be talking about the same phenomena that's been going on forever. And when before they presented themselves as incubi and succubi and uh, fairies and things of that nature, well, now it's, you know, the grays is the mask they're wearing. So yeah, yeah, I, I think there's just, there's so much to unpack the deeper you get into this topic. And there's not a quick, easy answer or explanation for any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agreed. Agreed. I, yeah. I, I totally see what it is that you're getting out there. The, the alien and the abduction phenomena. And then there's the fae encounters that people have as well. And, you know, you wonder, it's like, are they the one, one in the same, or is it just like a different skin? This, I, I hear Timothy Renner and Josh Kutchin. Yes. That, this is where I first heard it talked about in that in that book. What is it? The, the, where, where the footprints end? Yeah. yeah. So if any of your listeners have listened to our show at all, I talk about those books constantly on our show. I cannot recommend them enough. I think they're right up there with my very favorite paranormal books I've ever read. So you're yeah. preaching to the choir as far as that goes. Yeah, and one of the one of the hypotheses that they have is that is that you know whatever is it this phenomena this third party is entering into our space, and when it does so, it'll wear the cultural mm -hmm. uh, garb that allows it to get away with whatever it is that it needs to to in the time that it's here. You know, like if it were to show, because I remember there was a case where. Um, a phenomenal manifestation was walking through a graveyard. Five people witnessed it in a group, but they all saw individually something different. Mm -hmm. One person saw a ghost. One person saw a dog man. One person saw uh, an alien, and and they all saw something different. So, it's accounts like that that are that are really intriguing as far as you know this this third party out interloper that send, tends to, you know, come into our stuff. And, and, you know, I likened it to where I use my, you know, um, quantum cat theory where you have a cat, you're, you're petting the cat and then you turn your hand into a claw and attack the cat and the cat fights for his life. And then you turn your claw, your, your hand claw back into a hand and start petting him. And the cat's looking around like where the, where the monster go type of thing. And I feel like from some perspective, we're the cat mm -hmm. that the phenomena is interacting us in, in a way that, that there's just so much more to talk about. But yeah, I've had uh, Timothy Renner on my show. He was a fantastic interview. Yeah, he's such a cool guy. Like, I mm -hmm. love how he thinks about things. And uh, he's brought up points in those books that I'd never even considered before. But once you read them, you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So um, I'd love to have both of them on our show at some point. But uh, like I said, cannot recommend those books enough. If anyone out there is interested in, I mean, just the Bigfoot paranormal stuff in general, but kind of like I've been talking about, these connections between the different aspects, uh, those books are great. I always love it when, Joshua Cutchin is on the show because he's a he's a phenomenal 
uh, uh, guest to listen to. And I haven't had the pleasure yet of interviewing him, but I definitely would love to talk to him sometime in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As far as the, I keep hearing about this, this alien hybrid phenomena that people like, you know, it's like before, like either I'm not talking about the, the, the human representatives here that, that claim to be, to have um, hybrid DNA and stuff like this. I'm more talking about the resulting of phenomenal encounters where someone will be taken and then they're, they're taken in, in a sort of a follow-up abduction mm-hmm. where they encounter um, hybrid descendants or, or, or um, you know, offspring of some sort. What, what do you make of that? Well, I think this is something else that could fall into the category of, you know, language. We've got all these ancient accounts of throughout history, these beings from the sky coming down and intermingling with earth women. I mean, the Nephilim, all that sort of thing. Uh, that's hybridization right there as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's quite possible that this has been going on forever. I think it may not be as prevalent as it used to be, but, you know, kind of an idea theory I've kicked around a little bit is, you know, what if there are certain people throughout history that were choosing or chosen to have more alien DNA or what have you, like Jesus and different, you know, historical figures that were chosen to give knowledge or wisdom or to lead humanity in some way. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it is maybe these hybrids have kind of been right in front of us for, you know, millennia at this point. So I think, you know, there's many different ways you can go down the hybrid rabbit hole, but I think it could be, you know, kind of simpler than a lot of people make it out to be as well. I don't know. There, there tends to be a clear distinction between the stories of the, the, the deeds and, and, tasks of Hercules and someone encountering a, a spindly little, little half gray, you know, that they get, you know, that they have to chaperone for, for a moment because the grays don't know how to hug. I mean, it, it, there, there tends to be like a distinct difference there. So, I mean, maybe there's something where they were onto something a while ago and then, and then this is all, you know, they're starting from ground zero. Um, I don't know. It's just, just I, I do see a lot, and I am intriguing in like this crossbreeding uh, phenomena that that happens where you know both men and women mm-hmm. have you know um, spliced DNA and and stuff like this where they're taken, uh, their genetic resource is extracted from them, and then they they come back. You know, either they'll have a phantom pregnancy mm-hmm. or in most men's cases, they'll be, they'll be visited by, you know, again, they'll be taken up and then they'll have like a, a, a chaperone, a supervised uh, session where they have to interact with their offspring. And even in that, some of the, the people they'll, they'll like do this sort of, uh, you know, even there, like time tends to, to work differently as far as from the accounts that I've heard where as soon as the, the entities or whatever it is are, are burst, then they tend to be, you know, more active very quickly and stuff of that nature. So I don't, I don't, there's so much more there. And, and, and if I can run into those kinds of people that have had those 
abduction phenomenons or, or encounters. I'd love to talk to them more, but just as far as where you and me can scratch the surface of that, you know, I, I don't know where to place it and put it. It's one of those things where I want more information. Yeah, and I think one of the kind of the threads that runs through this entire phenomenon is this idea of these entities harvesting genetic material. And, you know, that gets back to these ideas of, you know, like the greys being obsessed with reproduction and things of that nature. And it seems like that's the prevailing cause of a lot of these encounters is harvesting this material for some means. And, you know, like you said, I, I don't claim to be an expert about any of this stuff, but um, it, it seems like genetically there's something going on there. And that could even extend to, you know, like cattle mutilations. What do these entities want to do with this genetic material that they're harvesting from this planet? Yeah. Yeah, I had a I had a, an ongoing theory of the the cow uterus is being used as sort of a, a you know a birthing tanks for for the greys and that nature. So it it's it's like, but that's just you know my my playful theory. I don't. No, I, don't I think know how, that's, how that's a great theory. Feasible it is. <laughs> well, hey, neither do I, but it it makes sense to me, and I've never heard anyone else. Uh, you know, speculate about that. No, so, I think that's a great yeah, theory. No, that's that's really good. Thank you for <laughs> oh, sharing. Oh, you. Oh, you guys. Oh, you're making me blush. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks. It's it's sort of a, uh, you know, again, there's there's just so much as far as what we know with, uh, with what direct species that we have the most interaction with. And I do sort of feel like when we talk about the masking phenomena that I feel uh, – what I like to call the phenomena uh, gentrification of <laughs> the the grays have sort of come to prominence. And most of that I do blame, and I do use that word blame, mm -hmm. uh, Whitley Strieber for his book cover of Communion. Uh -huh. yep. it had, I do believe that it had such a cultural impact that that's what people, it shifted the phenomenon cosmetically. Yeah, so uh, kind of something I've come across in my research, uh, not only Whitley Strieber Communion, but also, uh, and you might know more about this than I do, so please uh, jump in if you, um, if you have anything to add. But something I read at some point is, you know, kind of prior to the 50s, the idea of extraterrestrials were more so, they were space men. You know, they, they yeah. looked more human-like and they were coming down in their spaceships. And then after, you know, kind of the Betty and Barney Hill incident, that's when it kind of became the greys uh, were more of a prevalent depiction of these entities. And like you said, I think with communion, that kind of just blew the doors open for all this. And then that's, you know, what everybody thinks of as far as an alien at this point. Yeah, because in the, as far as we know, in the early 1800s, the late 1800s, the abduction phenomena was airships, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, der, uh, uh, dirig what do you call those, 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 the, uh, dirigible, dirigibles, yeah, dirigibles or, yeah. or something. Yeah. With, they had fans, they had propellers and then the men would cut these sort of Asianic looking men mm -hmm. would come down ladders and ropes and they would have flashlights 
you know, described by people who at the time could only use torches and lanterns. And I've heard the whole uh, airship phenomenon be kind of described in, you know, this whole masking type phenomenon as well. You know, in those times when like Jules Verne and whatnot was, you know, cutting edge science fiction, that would have been people's perception of what a visitor from somewhere else might have possessed technologically. And so I think that's kind of interesting to think about this, you know, very kind of like steampunk idea of the future versus, you know, after the atomic bomb and things of that nature, it takes a much more scientific technological uh, mask, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And then as it evolved, we then had men in silver suits. Mm-hmm. I guess these were sort of, you know, Italian like men, you know, olive skin. And they had, you know, black, straight hair, jet hair, you know, slicked back, like Indrid Cole, yeah. Mr. Grinning yeah. Man. And and at the time, which I think is a complete uh, fabrication or fictionalization was um, Valiant Thor. But I mm-hmm. still love the, the Valiant Thor as a character. I feel that's an interesting take. Um, and we have these sort of, you know, like like you were saying earlier, men, space men, in silver suits, bubble helmets. They were they were flying around in rocket ships, in UFOs with like rockets on them and stuff like this, and fins and and, and portholes and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And now we sort of have these sort of um, these greys who are sort of in these amorphous androgynous blobs that fly that you know, light up and fly around. And, and what I find is interesting is, yeah, is that steady evolution of, you know, and and I keep bringing this up where the more we learn, the further back the aliens come from or the further away the aliens come from. And then it's like, you know, before they were from Venus and they were from Mm -hmm. Mars and then they were from Alpha Centauri and and now they're from, you know, the, the pocket dimension next door and, and, you know, it, it's just that's why I feel that, you know, studying the, the history of this stuff is so important, you know, in like sort of, you know, helping to, to piece this stuff together to see not just where is the phenomenon going, mm-hmm. but where has it been so that that way we could have recognized at least uh, uh, a pattern of sorts, you know, and, and I think the pattern is still growing now. Because with like with drone technology becoming prominent now, the greys have gone from entities, you know, that are probably hatched because they don't have belly buttons or distinguishing genitals to now they're probably 3D printed drones that, that are excreted from the ship, you know, that people speculate. And, and it's just, you know, I mean, who knows what it's going to be next, you know. Yeah, so I'm sure you're familiar with Jacques Vallée's Passport to Magonia, and kind of the idea behind that book, I think it was um, it was written in 1968, if I'm not mistaken, but it's kind of exactly what we're talking about here, this idea that this phenomenon has been present for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and this evolving form or masks that this phenomenon takes on and you know it talks about the airships and things of that nature and just basically everything we've just been touching on here but um that's a great read as well and it goes through a hundred years of kind of ufo sightings and kind of shows the evolution from the airships to 
you know, the, the spacemen rocket ships to kind of more what we have today. And I think that's a great point you brought up about the more we know and the further we get, the further away this thing becomes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to, to say on that subject. It's just, it's, it's such an intriguing um, phenomenon to piece together. Yeah. And I think kind of like we were saying before, the more you think, you know, you find out very quickly, the less you actually know. And it doesn't take very long of researching and digging below the surface to find out there's probably something stranger than just, uh, you know, little gray aliens coming and visiting us in spaceships going on, mm. in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, and I'm sure that, that the powers that be, you know, whatever, they probably know more about what's going on because they're, they have the resources and stuff to take it and study it seriously, whereas our academic uh, institutions and stuff have a sort of halt on us on how far we as, as layman researchers can take a phenomena because, you know, we have to worry about funding and, and public perception and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, in, if you're in a cloak and dagger environment, you don't have to worry about that stuff because you're pretty much already in the know. Yeah. And I mean, these people that are part of these, you know, clandestine government programs, I think a lot of times, like you were saying, they know more than the general public does. But I also wonder if they're just kind of trying to figure out all this the same way that we are. Yes, they have more information and are more in the know than you and I will ever be. But I almost wonder if, you know, they're only a couple steps ahead of us and not, you know, they have all this information and they know all the answers themselves. So, again, that's kind of bringing it full circle. Why I'm a little leery of... uh of the whole disclosure stuff going on right now and kind of what we joke about is, Oh, so now people are going to choose to start <laughs> trusting the government, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, as far as answers, you know, uh, yeah, they may be just a few steps ahead of us, you know, because they have, they'll, they'll have more resources at their disposal, whereas we wouldn't have to, uh, to reach, you know, uh, more conclusions than we would have. So I think that's, the, you know, again, I, I, as I agree with you, that's probably the only distinction. But Well, uh, and kind of segueing a little bit, but a theory that I've been throwing out as well is, like I said, I think the, the government doesn't know as much about alien, extraterrestrial, UAP, whatever you want to call it, as a lot of people would think. My opinion is I think the government knows a lot about cryptids. I think the government knows these things exist i think you know kind of again a cynical way of looking at it is uh you know the government's never going to acknowledge something that it can't tax and make money off of so i think <laughs> you know how do you tax a bigfoot you know but i think <laughs> you know kind of my pet theory is i think the government knows a lot more about cryptids than they do about aliens personally yeah i i would say that as as well and and if you listen to strange familiars Mm -hmm. Timothy Renner brings up the Bigfoot men in black, mm -hmm. that there are two prevailing reoccurring characters of a short old man with, with dark glasses and a black suit, and then a tall, burly, you know, bearded man in, in plaid and, and overalls who tend to, you know, who they take the men in black Avenue when it comes to uh, intimidating uh, Bigfoot witnesses specifically. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, and the thing I think is so interesting about that is kind of the, like you said, the more lumberjack uh, plaid wearing men in black associated with Bigfoot encounters. That has a lot of similarities to the whole uh, flannel man phenomenon, which as we've, <laughs> we've gotten further down these rabbit holes, Jenny thinks she might have had a flannel man experience herself. We just... We didn't have the words mm -hmm. or the knowledge to know what it was at the time. And through talking to people like yourself on different shows, we've kind of learned this and pieced it all together. Yeah, I one of one of my uh, SPDs, sleep paralysis demons, one of mine was a flanneled individual, but it wasn't the, the black and red flannel. It was blue and green flannel and and that was interesting and 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 i guess we'll sort of you know i guess we'll go ahead and, and wrap that up right now at this moment and i kind of want to um if, if you got any closing thoughts on on that orn um you know i don't but if you'd like to share kind of your flannel man story you know, very that, that, quickly. that's where I, that's where i'd like to go i'd like to, to oh, okay, okay. To, to jen because you and me uh, we've been talking her ears off <laughs> no it's she's okay. used, I'm to, used it. to it i'm used to it I, I'm, a, I'm a real good listener too so basically my what we now call the flannel man situation this happened um i spent a little a little bit of time a few years living um alone across the across the ocean from Camp Lejeune, which is a huge, gigantic military base. He also lived near Camp Lejeune. That's where his Men in Black uh, story comes from. But my flannel man story, I think this is because it was a time when I was living alone. Um, I had just gotten divorced, and this guy kept just showing up, and the place I lived was very small. But he would stand in the doorway, not my doorway, but when I was sleeping, he'd stand in the doorway of the other bedroom, which was right across from me. And I just used to joke about him. I said, uh, the, the ghost of Kurt Cobain is, uh, is living with me now. He shows up now and then. He uh, was very benevolent. He never hurt me. He never scared me. I thought I was potentially dreaming about this. Tell them why we called him. Oh, because mine hand. were uh, blue flannel as well. Blue flannel, blonde hair, kind of mm. kind of shaggy hair. I mean, he just kind of looked like what I would think Kurt Cobain would look like. And um, I don't know why he was there. Some say that, that they're a, a protector. Some say uh, that they're because of other paranormal stuff going across. Uh, around you and also living that close to the military base like you know that there was some stuff going on hmm. at that base you know so not to get too thick in those weeds but um he uh was there when i moved he didn't come with me where i live now so that's basically mine what what was yours <laughs> Uh, it, it's funny that you described that individual because with mine, I had like a sleep paralysis episode where I was lying in bed and this was during the daytime and I felt the, the, the like I said, the chemical rush of fear pumping through my veins and weighing me down. 
And then my door opened and in walked two individuals, one with a rather large rotund man with he and, and he his black shirt was like up around his, his chest and his belly was hanging out. And and then and then the other one was a sort of, a, a, you know, the, the blue and green uh, plaid wearing man where he had like jeans and, and a, he was dressed like a trucker. But he had like sort of this this uh, light. He, he had brown hair. And that's right. When you said that the man had of your encounter had, you know, uh, dusty, scraggly uh, blonde hair. This one, he had a sort of a, a lighter brown hair, but it was sort of, you know, spiky and, and very coarse. And he had a big, fluffy, coarse mustache, almost like a Fu Manchu type of thing coming down the, the, the sides of, of his things. And he had just, just this mean, stern look about him. And his face was very, you know, uh, jaded and, and rugged. But he was, he, he, he was, whereas the other one stand, stood tall and was probably like maybe six or seven feet tall, this guy was, was short. He was uh, almost crooked and hunched over. Like, like, uh, like, you know, like, like as if he had some sort of spinal issue and, and that was sort of, you know, and, and that's what, and then they pretty much came into my room, rifled through all my shit and then left out when I started to wake up. And then when I woke up, I saw that like none of my shit was rifled through. But one of the things is that they would open, they would open doors, they would open my closet doors and then they would open closet space into walls that didn't have doors. So it's sort of like as if they're opening dimensional rifts mm -hmm. in space type of thing. And, and there would be like infinite closet space in there that they would rifle through. So they were looking for something. And then once I, you know, slowly regained control because they would keep looking at me to make sure that, that I wasn't moving. And then once they came look at me, you know, they, 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 uh, they let themselves out. So that's how, how my encounter was. Wow. That's crazy. That, I mean, doesn't that sound a lot like a men in black situation as well coming in? They were looking for something. They tried to find it and then they left. Yeah, I suppose so. But then why would they have to open up the dimensional closet space? Like, I don't know what that was. And, and, uh, um, someone else, uh, Cisco Murdoch, she said, well, maybe they were, they were opening rifts in time space mm -hmm. or, or something of that nature. And because in my childhood, I had, uh, cause he, cause right now I have a walk-in closet and in my childhood, I had the sliding, the sliding door closet. Mm -hmm. That's when I was a child and that they were opening one of those as well. So that's mm -hmm. where she throws in that maybe there was an element of, of time displacement there. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. We're just throwing everything at the wall and, and see <laughs> oh, what we're good we're. at that. Though. Yeah. But, you know, I think that kind of gets back to the idea of, you know, I think some men in black absolutely are just, you know, government agents. I think the encounter I had due to proximity and things of that nature was just government agents. But there are these men in black accounts that seem very paranormal. And like you said, like, different dimensions might be at play or time travel or things of that nature. And I think it's interesting. Could, could you uh, recall your experience for the listeners? Sure. Um, I'll try to give everybody the abridged version, but um, yeah, yeah, that would work. So like we mentioned a little bit, I grew up um, across the river from a large military institution in, in too late. I already said it. <laughs> yeah, in North Carolina, it's uh, Camp Lejeune. And if anybody's uh, you know been watching TV here the past year or so, 
there's a huge class action toxic water claim going on right oh. now. So that's this place. Mm. But anyway, so, um, you know, until I got older and moved away to college and lived other places, I didn't realize kind of like the dark negative energy that this place had. You know, I always thought it kind of just was what it was. But um, like I said, so my father passed away uh, going on three years ago mm. now. My and, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, like during that whole process was when I had what I would consider my recovered memory. Mm. And, uh, you know, funny enough, I was watching an Ancient Aliens episode on the Men in Black. And, you know, some story in that episode, it just like hit me. And I was like, oh, my God, that happened to me. And so this memory that I have now is I was probably uh, seven or eight years old um, and I was homeschooled when I was young. So it was, you know, I think probably late spring, early summer. It was hot outside. And um, this white van pulled up into our front yard. And again, so we lived kind of very secluded uh, back in the woods. We lived on the water and across the creek, the river, whatever you want to call it, was this military base. Hmm. And this white van pulled up. And in my memory, it's like a, you know, early to mid 90s Chevrolet Astro van is is my recollection. And these two individuals got out of the van and they had, you know, black pants, black ties, black sunglasses. They had on short sleeve white shirts, no jackets. But again, this was summer in North Carolina. It's hot and humid there. <laughs> but um, they started just walking around the perimeter of our yard. And at this point, my mom said, you know, take your sister and go hide in my bedroom closet. If I don't come get you in a few minutes, take your sister and run to our aunt's house that lived, you know, down the road. So obviously, like my mother th did not think this was the Jehovah's Witnesses or anything like that. You know, it was something that alarmed her. And my recollection is, you know, they just took like a lap around the yard. Uh, my mom told us go hide a little bit later. She came and got us. And the strange thing about it is it was never really discussed. Um, you know, I remember my dad coming home from work that night and nothing was said about this. And so, like I said, um, I had had this recovered memory. Um, my father passed. And then so me and my mom were traveling to uh, pick up my sister so she could, you know, come home for all the uh, arrangements and whatnot. And, you know, while we were on the road, uh, of course, you know, emotions are high and whatnot. And I said, guys, I think I remember this thing. I need to know if this really happened. And so I just laid out the story I just told. And my mom goes, yeah, that happened. And my sister said, you know, I kind of remember that happening, too. And I don't know how much stock to put in that. She would have been like two or three at the time. Hmm. But my mom said, yes, that happened. And it happened exactly like you just said. And I said, why did we never talk about it? And she said, I, I don't know. And, and kind of, you know, toward the end of my mom's life, she got into more paranormal and esoteric ideas. And, you know, she kind of threw out the idea of, well, maybe she was quote unquote zapped or something. 
Uh, but it was a very odd situation in the fact that something that's at the very least just a weird thing that happened was never really addressed and never talked about. And, you know, at first, um, you know, we were kicking around ideas of what could this have been? What could it have meant? And at first I thought, oh, you know, they were looking for something. They lost something because where I grew up, there used to be, you know, helicopter activity constantly and they'd be doing maneuvers at night and shooting off flares and, you know, my parents used to kind of almost joke when the military were doing these maneuvers behind our house. Oh, well, they must be looking for something. And now I'm like, well, what were they looking for? You know, but I've kind of changed my mind a bit, you know, telling the story and talking to people on podcasts. I don't think they were looking for something as much as they were seeing what we could see from our vantage point over to the military base. That's what I think at this point in time. But that's kind of, you know, in a nutshell. And, um, you know, I, I could talk about this subject for yeah, an hour, yeah. but that's yeah. kind of the, as short as I can make the story and do it justice. So. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Um, any, any other thoughts, uh, Jen? Uh, no, I think I, I got to give you guys the abridged version of all the weird stuff that has happened to to me. But um, no, I, this was this was a blast. I love. We, it's right. been a while since we've like been on a pod. Yeah. Other than our own, been on one <laughs> been a guest, talk, been a guest, and it's nice to yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. talk about some of these things again, and and you know, bat it back and forth and see what your thoughts were. So, yeah. All right. I, I just wanted to make sure I give you a chance to dive in <laughs> before we wrap up. Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up here. Let people know where they can find you and, and all your socials and stuff of that nature. Okay. So um, my kind of social media Instagram for what we're doing is uh, the framework uh, it's excuse me at the framework UFO on Instagram. That's what we're uh, most active on. Um, and again, we're two of the co-hosts of Bizarre Encounters podcast with our buddy Shane Jones. So you can find that on any podcast platform. Uh, there's also you know Instagrams for the show and whatnot. We're easy to find. Uh, but no, we'd love to to chat and hang out with. Um, other listeners or people that just have had bizarre encounters themselves. So uh, if anybody out there wants to, wants to get up with us, we're easy to find and more than willing to hang out and talk to people. That's yeah. awesome. And Jen, um, I am 100% that witch. There's some underscores in there because clearly <laughs> I wasn't the first one to come up with it. So <laughs> if you just start with a hundred percent, you'll see the pink hair. I'm easy to find. So <laughs> All right, then. Yeah, this was a fantastic interview. Thank you for, for sitting down and talking. There's so much more that we could talk about, and we'll probably get into that in, in a future show. But this was, this was a, absolutely a blast. So thank you guys so much for your time. Well, thank you for inviting us on. And again, um, Shane was telling us a little bit about the uh, squonk artwork that you did for him. So we'd, <laughs> yeah, like, thank to, you. we'd like to thank you for uh, that, too. That turned out awesome. All right. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's it's good to it it's good to hang out. This was a good show. So Absolutely. Thank you I so really much. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. <laughs>